Sensibly Speaking Podcast. This is Chris Shelton, the critical thinker at large. Coming at you on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and with video here on YouTube. Okay, guys, this was the no good, awful, horrible, very bad week for Scientology. Uh, man, so many, <laughs> so much news uh, happened this week that I could not not comment on it. Actually, it's been going on over the last uh, couple weeks. Uh, going back to this story about uh, a measles outbreak on the free winds and lawsuits being lost and uh, people going to jail and guilty pleas and all kinds of stuff. So um, some of it pretty grim, by the way. This is not, there's, there's some pretty, you know, not so great stuff to talk about here. And I thought, okay, you know, I've been meaning to get a couple other podcasts done, but how could I ignore all this stuff going down so quickly and not comment on some of it and give you guys my uh, feedback as a former Scientologist and Sea Org member on uh, what's going down. So let's go ahead and get right into it. I have gone through um, a lot of great reporting and uh, work that was done by Tony Ortega and uh, and people who uh, he works with. I am not somebody who works for Tony Ortega, but I do get my content featured on his channel from time to time. But uh, but anyway, he gave he broke some really good news uh, about this whole thing. So let's start with uh, the big chunk of this thing. Let's go into the the what happened on the free winds. For those of you who probably heard, I was getting notices all week. You know, hey, Chris, did you see this? Yes, of course I did. <laughs> uh, yes, I saw the news that there was a measles outbreak on the free winds. And here's the, I have the whole timeline as, as reported by Tony and, uh, and broken down here. So I thought if you don't know more than that that happened, then let's go ahead and, and talk about it because um, there's some interesting stuff here. For those who don't know anything about this, the Free Winds is a large yacht, basically, <laughs> rather than a cruise ship. Uh, I have to laugh because that actually ha that that remarketing or rebranding of the Free Winds actually was an attempt that was made at one point within the church uh, to rebrand it as this you know great big yacht uh, rather than a cruise ship because people see or think about cruise ships as really big, multi decks, you know, swimming pool, all this stuff. That goes on in uh, in in cruise ships and really big cruise ships. Well, they the, the the free winds is dwarfed by those boats. It's a little it's a little tiny cruise ship as far as that goes. Anyway, its home port is Curacao. It operates out of the ABC Islands uh, in the Lesser Antilles. Uh, the ABC Islands, of course, are Aruba, Bonaire, and Curacao, and that is the triangle area where the free winds tends to operate. It has gone over to the west coast. Um, and it's gone, you know, to some other places, but basically that's where it hangs out. Um, and I, I guess those are international waters or somewhat international. They're certainly beyond the bounds of the United States uh, in many, many ways. And the Free Winds has been used by Scientology and by David Miscavige personally to disappear people, to, uh, to punish people. Uh, they send them to the Free Winds, and we'll get into that a bit more of, of just how bad some of that stuff gets um, later in this episode. But that is, the Free Winds was, was publicly purchased, renovated, and, and put out there by Scientology in the late 80s as 
the place to go in order to do the highest OT level that Scientology delivers, which is OT8. There are supposed to be other levels, but they don't exist. And so, uh, so, so they kind of play this uh, shell game with Scientologists about uh, the coming OT levels and how they need to pay for them and get ready for them and they promise them and then they never deliver on them. But the free wins uh, is where you can go as a public Scientologist to do this highest level. In fact, it's the only place in the world you can go to get OT8. It's not delivered anywhere else. Um, so it's kind of a big deal. Now, not a whole lot of people have gotten up to the level of OT8 over the years. So um, the ship is also utilized to uh, deliver lower levels courses and services to Scientologists who just go to the ship on a sort of a vacation type basis, but they spend a lot, good chunk of their time in the course room. I think it's like five hours a day. They can spend more than that, of course, but uh, I think it's a minimum of that on course, in the classrooms, doing L. Ron Hubbard courses and lectures, and then spending the rest of the time, you know, sort of enjoying the ABC islands. Uh, now, every single night, every single night, there is a, um, a event held, a, a gathering held in the, uh, the Starlight Cabaret or one of their dining rooms or whatever, where they uh, intensively hit on those Scientologists who are literally a captive audience in order to get money out of them, to extract money from them. And they do this every single day. It's, it's, there's so many stories about this. So, uh, so that's what the ship is basically doing. And it has been operating since the late 80s. So it's been many, many years in these areas. The, the locals are very familiar with it. And they have established what they call PR area control. In other words, they have established communication with local diplomats and officials and police and, and civic forces uh, in order to what they call safe point Scientology. In other words, they're supposed to, everybody's supposed to just welcome the Freewinds and be so happy the Freewinds is there. And the Freewinds has done lots and lots of work with other ships and, and, and military and people in the area to try to uh, help them out. Uh, and at least this is all according to the PR that we used to hear when I was in Scientology. <laughs> and they had pictures and stuff, so I don't doubt that these things actually have taken place. Uh, the problem is not the good things that the Free Winds does in helping out the ports that it goes to and stuff, which they're only doing for purely selfish reasons, but whatever. You know, we all do things for selfish reasons, but... The problem with the free winds is all the abusive stuff that goes on there, and it gets pretty bad. Uh, okay, so let's get to the measles story, and then we'll get to that stuff later. So, um, so basically, what happened is somebody showed up on the free winds who had uh, measles, and nobody knew. Uh, and uh, and it came out after this person got on board, and apparently, this was a, a crew member, an unnamed female crew member, on April seventeenth got on board the Freewinds. She had come from Europe, okay? Uh, and she boarded at uh, Oranjestad, Aruba. And then they, the next day, on Thursday, April 18th, the Freewinds started a week-long event. Remember I said that people come to the Freewinds from within the world of Scientology for more than just OT8. They also come for conventions. They'll do a youth week, or they'll do a teen week, or they'll do a Black Scientologist Week, and that was what happened starting Thursday, April 18th. So they had people coming from all over, or sort of all over. I don't know how many black Scientologists there are, 
Uh, not many. The, sh- the, the photos from the convention showed, you know, not too many folks. Uh, but that began in Aruba on the 18th. Now, also on the 20th, Saturday, April 20th, at Aruba, there were uh, locals who were invited to come on board the ship for a talent show. So they, they do these local events to keep things going with the locals and keep everybody, you know, smiling and happy about what's going on with that ship, the Freewinds. And, oh, Scientology is a good group of folks because they do talent shows and they do this and they do that. And aren't they so wonderful, right? So they did one of these things on April 20th. Now, on April 22nd, uh, which was a Monday, the Freewinds arrived at uh, Willemstad in Curaçao, which is home port, and the crew member visited a doctor because she had cold symptoms. Blood samples were taken, and they were sent to Aruba for testing. And then the Freewinds went back to Aruba on the 24th, and the next day the convention ended, the Black Scientologist convention ended. They all went home. And if you know where I'm going with this, this, this crew member uh, could have, this, this sick crew member could have um, infected all of those people. We have no idea. Uh, then, on the two days later, on Saturday, April 27th, uh, Aruban locals are invited on board for a concert benefiting the Go Cultura Foundation. And then it went back to Curaçao. And so you see here, this person got on board. They don't yet know that this person has measles. And all these people are coming and going on the ship, and it's sailing around from island to island. That all happened before they even knew that this person had uh, measles. So the real fun began on Monday, April 29th, because this was the day the free winds was en route from Curaçao to St. Lucia, and the Aruba health officials alerted Curaçao that the blood test was positive for measles. And the Curaçao officials, in turn, alerted St. Lucia officials that the ship was coming and that there was a confirmed measles case on it. So this is the point where there is no more plausible deniability as to whether before this, this the, I, I'm sure that they would have picked up on the fact that this sick person was very, very sick and had measles. I mean, there's, you know, physical symptoms you can see that would indicate that. So they could have known about it before then, but but definitely by April 29th, they knew. Because uh, this was, I, you know, there's no way the Freewinds wasn't contacted by radio and said, hey, guess what we found out, right? Which leads to Tuesday, April 30th, that the Freewinds arrives in St. Lucia and was immediately put under quarantine. And this, by the way, is David Miscavige's birthday present because that was his birthday, Monday, uh, April, Tuesday, April 30th. He turned 59 years old. Now, we do not know whether David Miscavige is or isn't, was or wasn't on the free winds for his birthday. Many, many years ago, he did do a birthday bash there, but it's not every year that he goes there to do that, at least not that we know of. So he might be there. He might not be there. He may have been there at this time. We can't, there's no evidence about it, just speculation one way or the other. Um, but what we do know is that um, Curacao said that it will allow healthy people who are vaccinated to leave the ship and St. Lucia, St. Lucia wouldn't allow the passengers to do that, which is why uh, that night that they went down under quarantine, the ship left St. Lucia and went back to Curacao. 
Now, a lot of people were questioning uh, in the news, in the comments, on Tony's blog, why would they leave St. Lucia and go back to Curacao? Because that might be endangering more people. And um, there's a couple answers to that. First off, Janice Grady, who was a former Scientologist and Sea Org member, said that having, quote, having lived on a Scientology ship for eight years and also having commanded the Freelands back in 1988-1990, the most logical thing to do would be to return to their home port of Curacao, where they can get the necessary supplies, such as fresh food, medical supplies, and fuel, to keep the ship operating and safe over the 21-day period of such quarantine. St. Lucia is too small an island to be able to meet the demands of enough fresh food and fuel for such a long time. Most ships show up in St. Lucia with enough supplies to last them moving on to somewhere else. Otherwise, it can get very expensive flying food in from Miami to keep the ship operating. So that was what she had to say about that. And if you think, okay, good, so St. Lucia, we're going to be here three weeks. This isn't going to work supplies-wise. Let's get out of here. And that night, they went back to um, Curacao. Now, she also commented on isolation practices in the Sea Org. And I want to, I, I, I experienced this myself. And so uh, let me read to you what she said, and then I'll give you my own experience with this. She said, quote, During the days I was in the Sea Org and when I lived on the Apollo, which was the Scientology ship, isolation rules were enforced. Violation of isolation could result in an ethics condition to the violator and the medical officer. It was understood that a ship is a small world, so even someone with a runny nose or sore throat was isolated or a slightly above normal temperature. If one had a fever, they had to stay in isolation until not only did the fever break, but it had to go subnormal first, then hold at normal for 24 hours before they could be released from isolation. I have no clue if these rules are still being followed on the free winds. They were 30 years ago when I was on board. Uh, now, I, having been in the Sea Org, I was never on the free winds. I never stepped foot on that ship. Never seen it uh, in person. But I did live in PAC in Los Angeles, the big blue base, and we had an isolation room, and it was a total joke. Uh, and by that, I mean people would often, often not report to isolation if they felt sick. Uh, getting food in isolation was always a nightmare. The medical officer came around maybe once a day. Uh, you were supposed to do assists, Scientology assists on one another, and that was supposed to be the way you got well, uh, which was just, again, a joke. Most of the time, most people on ISO were sleeping a lot and taking their temperature so that if it went, you know, if it was subnormal or if, it were, if the fever broke, then they could get the hell out of there. Um, that was mostly what it was used for is if people had a fever. If you didn't have a fever and you were sick, you just stayed on post. You just kept working. Uh, unless it got really, really obnoxiously bad, in which case, you know, you'd get kicked over to ISO. And a lot of people would spend ISO in their room, uh, if they were, especially if they were married, where they had a, a couple's birthing, they would just hang out in there. It, you'd get in trouble if you were caught, but, you know, whatever. Um, ISO was just a horrible, awful place to be, and, uh, and nobody, nobody enjoyed it. But the rules of isolation were also not heavily enforced. Now, that all being said, on a ship, okay, things could be different. Uh, you know, you do have more cognizance of the fact that you are in a small world and that 
people are you know running into each other and and uh, an outbreak of any kind of sickness could be quite disastrous for a ship's crew if if you know vital necessary personnel are going down so they might have been more cognizant of this on the ship however a point that's made here is that measles is an airborne disease and if the isolation room on the free winds and i have no idea what that room is like how big it is or how it's handled but if the ventilation of the isolation room is the, is a shared ventilation with the rest of the ship then it's no isolation at all as far as measles is concerned that's my layman's understanding of all of that so um so we don't have any idea right now whether this measles outbreak was just the one person or whether it spread to other people no idea at all what the current state of affairs is on the ship and obviously no reporters are allowed on board and no one's going in or out coming back with any uh, real hard information about this uh, so they left off to curacao and the next day friday or sorry friday may 3rd is when the story broke uh, on tony's blog and the ship arrived back in curacao on saturday may 4th where it has been since uh, officials in Curaçao, according to Tony's reporting, said they would quarantine the vessel, board the ship, demand vaccination records of the crew and passengers, and vaccinate anyone who couldn't provide proof that they had already been immunized. Uh, okay, so Curaçao clearly was taking that whole thing pretty seriously. And by the way, the ship is not docked in the middle of where it normally, I think, would dock and where everybody else is and where all the other ships are. It's over, uh, a, a photo I saw showed it next to some oil derricks or oil storage areas or something kind of off, I, I believe. Uh, I didn't see a 360-degree picture, so I can't be sure about that. But that's, it looked like it, the ship had been isolated as well as quarantined, which would only make sense. Now, Tony's reporting on this has been great. One of the things that he um, posted just the other day was uh, a write-up from a woman named Valeska Paris, who spent a long time, many, many years, I think eight or nine years, on the free winds as a, what she described herself as a prisoner of the ship. And she was uh, kind of stuck there. She'd been uh, sort of relegated to the ship, didn't want to be there, didn't want to go there, didn't want to stay there, but that was her job as a Sea Org member. So she did quite a few things while there, and she lays out in gory detail uh, some of the um, abuses and nonsense that she saw, observed, and took part in while she was a Sea Org member on the ship. And one thing that becomes really, really clear when you go through, and I've put a link to that article in the show notes and at sensiblyspeaking.com, uh, so you can check it out for yourself. I'm not going to read her story here or go over all of that. I'm just going to say that it's very, very clear that the Free Winds has been used as a sort of uh, RPF on steroids, I guess I could say. And, and if you, the RPF is the Sea Org's ultimate disciplinary action. Uh, it usually takes uh, years to get through. And it involves a lot of heavy physical labor and punishment drive kind of mentality. And it's very much a uh, sort of really horrible, like, like borderline Chinese, Korean re-education camp kind of situation. That's the RPF as a whole. On the free winds, you're further isolated because you're sailing around on this boat and you're usually stuck down, apparently, in the engine room, which is the hardest of physical labor I can imagine doing. 
I mean, I've done some rough stuff when I did the RPF, but I, you know, I would, I think anybody who was in the engine room of the free winds doing the kind of work those guys have to do cleaning out the bilges and getting into these little compartments and having to clean them out. I mean, it's bad, bad work, very dangerous work. Uh, and people get uh, sent there, people have been sent there for years at a time within the world of the Sea Org if David Miscavige gets, you know, upset with you or angry with you for some reason or you've done something quote-unquote treasonous to the Sea Organization, then you could find yourself uh, marooned on the, on the boat. Not a good place to be. So uh, anyway, you can check that article out. And knowing all that, it got me thinking about what's going to happen to this crew member from Europe who showed up with measles. Well, it's not going to be pleasant. It's not going to be pretty for this, this uh, woman. Um, once she's through the measles, I'm sure they're going to kick her off the ship. But then again, maybe not. They might stick her down in that engine room, right? And they will definitely want... I mean, she comes on board and all of this happens around the time of David Miscavige's birthday and... The upcoming anniversary voyage of the uh, anniversary of the maiden voyage of the Free Winds. The Free Winds first went, uh, you know, set sail uh, around the ABC Islands in uh, June of 19, I think it was 1988. So that is always marked by a three or four day series of events that are personally hosted by David Miscavige on the Free Winds every single year. It's called the OT Ambassador Summit. And all the OT8s, you know, the big, big hot shots, the whales, the people with a lot of money, they all come to the free winds. It's jam-packed, no room available at all. Crew are triple bunked up. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's really, really tight during that week that they're doing the maiden voyage anniversary events. All of that is being prepped for now. But <laughs> with the ship under quarantine and who knows how many people sick on it, this person, this woman who came with this, is going to be at the receiving end of all of the blame for all the trouble that's being caused by this, both PR-wise and logistically. And maybe if David Miscavige is on board, oh, man. Uh, yeah, it's going to be really, really bad for her. Like, she's going to be, I mean, the, the, the kindest thing they're going to be doing to her is gang sec-checking her. Uh, I, I mean, I really, I have no doubt that that is the intensity uh, on which this, that this person is receiving right now um, to find out what her evil intentions are towards David Miscavige. What evil purposes does she have? Why is she purposefully trying to sabotage David Miscavige, Maiden Voyage, the OTs? I mean, there are endless numbers of questions that they are going to be pounding her head up on. Uh, about, uh, you know, why she's such an evil, horrible person. If they don't just declare her outright and just throw her on shore and say, see ya, I wouldn't want to be ya, and that's that. I mean, they could just do that with her, too. It's really going to be, uh, I don't know that we're going to find out anytime soon what ends up happening with this poor person. But it's going to be very, very unpleasant. And every single person in the chain of command and every single person who was at all associated with anything having to do with medical checkups, running um, the medical officer on the ship, I mean, any of the, anybody connected with any of that is going to get raked over the coals mercilessly. I mean, I, I man, I just cannot, I, I have 
ooh, nothing but sympathy for their plight right now uh, because it's, it's, it's bad. And of course, what this also speaks to is the anti-vax attitude that is, uh, I believe, pervasive throughout Scientology. Certainly within the Sea Org, there has been anti-vax sentiments expressed by senior um, sea organization executives. I've seen that in emails and promo pieces even. I saw um, the, the, the person who runs the, the World Institute of Scientology Enterprises, WISE, the WISE office in West U.S. Um, I saw communications from that person years ago saying that the whole, and you know, vaccinations cause autism, it's all a bunch of junk science, and, uh, and we shouldn't be vaccinating our kids. Uh, also, Tony picked up on this, and he had noted that um, back in 2015 and 16, there was a proposition going in California to get mandatory vaccinations going for kids. And uh, who was it who tweeted and spoke out against this? No less than Juliet Lewis, Jenna Elfman, Danny Masterson, and Kirstie Alley, all saying negative things about this bill to enforce mandatory vaccination. They claim that they were not quote-unquote anti-vaxxers, but were merely fighting against it being mandatory, which pretty much means you're an anti-vaxxer because vaccination is an all-or-nothing sort of thing. We either get it or people die. It's really that simple. And I got curious about this and looked at the um, World Health Organization's uh, website about Europe because this woman arrived to the free winds from Europe, not from America, and she had brought measles with her. And apparently, uh, there has been a bit of a rapid, huge increase in measles cases last year in Europe. So there's vaccinations happening, but they're not happening at the level that they need to. And the World Health Organization is, is doing a bunch of work uh, to try to raise the levels of, of, of people who are vaccinated over there. But somehow, in Europe, there is a measles problem right now. And that's where this comes from. So this anti-vax thing is not just a U.S. phenomenon, I am sure, and it's something that has to be addressed. I have no words of kindness to uh, for Jenny McCarthy or any of these people who promote this anti-vax, you know, vaccinations cause autism thing. If you go to the actual Autism Speaks website or the, you know, the, the, the websites or information sources for autism, you find out that there are really nothing but question marks about what autism even is. And more and more people are being diagnosed with it as they're clarifying and figuring this out and studying it more and more. We just, you know, just people weren't studying it up until now. But they, but the autism sites, the, the World Health Organization sites, I mean, all these people agree there is zero evidence that vaccines cause autism. So, you know, this anti-vax thing is just for the birds, but it's part and parcel of the conspiracy theory nonsense that Scientologists buy into. I bought into it hardcore. And you know what one of the, you know what woke me up was uh, when Alex Jones, who I used to actually follow when I was a Sea Org member, I used to pay attention to what Alex Jones said. I couldn't watch him on the internet every day, of course, but I would see written articles from him and we used his conspiracy theory nonsense in recruiting for the Sea Org. And the thing that broke me from that was when he said very, very loudly and very, very boisterously that 
children should not get vaccinated for a particular flu virus that was going around back in 2000, I don't know when this was, 2008 or 9, I believe. And I went, what? <laughs> now, my mom was a nurse, dude. I know that vaccinations are important. And here's this guy preaching anti-vax nonsense. And I went, oh, this guy's crazy. That's, that's absolutely, that's not just a weird idea. That's dangerous. And that's what, that's one of the things that got me uh, sparked away from that conspiracy nonsense because I went, wait a second, right? And then one question leads to another, leads to another, just like how I got out of Scientology. So that, you know, that I, I don't have any good things to say about the anti-vax movement or the people who, who spread that conspiracy nonsense because the real world effects of that are that people die. And that's no joke. So uh, that's, my, that's my take on that. Hey, everyone. I have what I think is an exciting opportunity for you. This episode of the Sensibly Speaking podcast is being sponsored by The Great Courses Plus, an online educational streaming service which has video courses on a gigantic range of topics, from philosophy to climate change to nuclear physics to cooking and practical skills, not just brain stuff. What I love about this service is that The Great Courses Plus was founded on the idea that education should be available to everyone. You can learn from top experts and professors, leading minds in their fields. These are not little courses put together by amateurs. These are the real deal. I'm taking advantage of this myself already by studying their featured course, which is called The Deceptive Mind, A Scientific Guide to Critical Thinking Skills. <laughs> Ta-da! I can't think of a course that is more suited to me and to you, my audience. So far, I've only watched the first couple of lectures, and frankly, my mind was blown by how much raw data is packed into what seems like a very simple series of lectures. This information is the basis for how I unraveled my mind from Scientology and how I've been working to help others do the same. It's really pretty amazing. The even better part is they gave me a custom URL, which I've put on the screen here and which you can find in the show notes and in the description section of this video on YouTube. The link is thegreatcoursesplus.com slash critical. Super easy to remember, and by using that URL, you help out my channel as well as get your hands on these amazing courses and lectures. You just click on the link, Sign up for the free trial and open up the course for Your Deceptive Mind by Dr. Stephen Novella or any other course you're interested in taking. It really is that easy. There's also an app you can download which allows you to toggle back and forth between the audio and video right on your phone or tablet, listening while you work or cook or exercise yet still being able to toggle the video on when you need to see something being talked about that's in the lecture. I hope you'll give The Great Courses Plus a try. I think you'll find it more than worth your time. Use the link thegreatcoursesplus.com critical and let me know what you think. So, bad ship, measles, measles ship. Uh, now, there were some other stories that came out 
all on Tony's blog this week that also demand comment. Um, <laughs> Joey Chait, a former Scientologist who's been featured on Aaron Smith Levin's channel. I knew him and, and kind of source in a somewhat distant way worked with him when we were both in the Sea Org. He left way before I did. Uh, he actually came out with a story uh, that he, as a Scientologist uh, public who went to the Free Winds for, th for events and things, like I mentioned, uh, they have these weeks where teens come and stuff. Well, he was there for one of those conventions or maiden voyage or whatever he was there for because he has, you know, high-ranking Scientology parents, public Scientologist parents. Uh, and he apparently was raped as a minor. That, that was his claim uh, while on board the Free Winds by an, an adult Scientologist whose name he did not say. Uh, and this happened multiple times. Pretty gross. So not only do you have uh, these kind of abuses and uh, RPF type things going on on this ship, but you also have uh, sexual assault. Okay, great. Uh, now, okay, now we're going to switch around to <laughs> some of the good news that happened this week. Uh, there was, um, also in the world of Scientology, there was a major victory against Narconon. Narconon is the um, drug rehab program, and I say that very, very loosely. Uh, that L. Ron Hubbard uh, uses L. Ron Hubbard's methods. It actually wasn't invented by L. Ron Hubbard, uh, but it was. But it uses L. Ron Hubbard's um, purification rundown and and uh, objective processing and some other TRs and other stuff to get people off of drugs and and rehabilitate their purposes in life and and make them drug free. It has no much, no more uh, success rate than any other, you know, drug rehab program out there. The drug rehab programs that exist in the big wide world, for the most part, are guesswork as to what's going to work, what's not. Some things work for some people, they don't work for others. For any of these groups to be claiming 100% or 80% even success rate and uh, lack of recidivism is just hot, so much hot air. None of these programs anywhere deliver those kind of results, and Narconon is no exception to that. So they lost and had an $11 million judgment against them in a civil suit involving the wrongful death of a man who had gone to a Narconon facility without knowing that it was Scientology. One of the things that you find across the United States, and probably in Europe too, or you'll find drug rehab facilities that do not say anything about Scientology, Church Scientology, or even Narconon, they don't even use that word. Uh, Pleasant Hills, Ranch Valley, you know, these, these, you know, sort of euphemisms for these places to give them this nice airy light name so that they'll attract people to go to them. But they uh, might mention that they, they, they might possibly mention something about a Hubbard method or successful, you know, but most of the time it's very, it's couched in very generic terms. So these Narconons are kind of hard to spot at first glance. You have to actually dig and know to ask, are you guys a Narconon? Are you doing Church of Scientology stuff? Are you using L. Ron Hubbard's methods? Like you, these are important questions to ask in the drug rehab area, apparently, because if, you, if not, if you don't ask those questions, you might end up in a Narconon facility where you're going to be treated to Scientology. And you're going to be paying tens of thousands of dollars, or more likely, your insurance will be paying 
tens of thousands of dollars for the privilege of you being there. So you can yell at ashtrays and sit in a sauna and sweat out really almost nothing because, <laughs> uh, you know, there, there are drug residuals. Don't get me wrong. There are drug residuals that stay in the body, but LSD is not one of them. And most alcohol isn't one of them. And most drugs flush through the system uh, the way they're supposed to because your body functions the way it's supposed to and it gets rid of those things. So, uh, so Hubbard's theories about all of that are just so much nonsense. So uh, anyway, he ended up in this Narconon facility and he ended up committing suicide and his family sued and um, there were five Scientology attorneys there representing the, you know, the Narconon facility. There was the lone uh, lawyer representing the good guys and he beat the pants off them. And this was also, it should be noted, a jury trial. And jury trials are never, ever successful for Scientology because the truth just kind of outs, I guess. I mean, it's so obvious that, you know, that's, that's how it goes down. They always lose jury trials. Uh, okay, and then the other thing was uh, there was a chiropractor, Scientologist in New York, a fairly well-known one, who ended up uh, getting caught up in or contributing to working as into a Medicare scam through his office. And he ended up pleading guilty. Uh, and this was an $80 million Medicare scam. So this is not small potatoes. This wasn't something, you know, no big deal. This was a huge deal. And this guy's pleading guilty. He's going to jail, I'm sure. Uh, so that was another Scientologist in the news this week. Uh, getting busted for being the most ethical group on the planet, right? <laughs> I mean, this, you know, you just kind of have to, you, you almost savor this kind of thing because it, it's, it's very, it's very, I understand the mindset of Scientologists. I get where they're coming from. They think that they are the good guys and that everybody else in the world would be on board with them if they only knew how wonderful Scientology is. But the fact of the matter is Scientologists are not any more ethical or wonderful than anybody else anywhere. In fact, because of their arrogance and because of their trumped up, you know, uh, their attitude, really, they have a very bad attitude about their own ethics. Uh, and because of the black and white thinking that goes on in Scientology, right, the us versus them mentality that develops, uh, you get really a cloistered bunch of people who are completely, they act really, really stupid about a lot of things. But they tell themselves, this is what goes on, is they tell, they're, they're in there telling themselves how smart and wonderful and great they are. And so they're able to ignore, you know, everybody looking at them going, you, you guys are, are a bunch of idiots. I mean, you, this is just stupid. This, is, this is, doesn't make any sense what you guys are saying and doing. Like, we're the most ethical group on the planet. And yet they have a, a boat where they torture people and, sec and minors are sexually assaulted. They have chiropractors who go to jail for Medicare scams. They kill people at their drug rehabs and then say it wasn't our fault. We didn't, it came to us too late, you know. No, it's your incompetence that causes deaths. Real people really dying. That's the result of Scientology. So, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely... Uh, joke-worthy. It is definitely worthy of being lampooned, but it's also something we should look at. 
in a fairly stern light. This group does not deserve religious recognition. They do not deserve tax exemption. They are not an honest group of folks. And they will lie through their teeth. A regular street-level Scientologist will lie through his teeth about what Scientology is up to and what they're doing because they have to protect its image, quote-unquote. And they have bought into such a bill of goods that they actually think that by lying, they're doing the right thing and the good thing and that they're helping you and themselves in, uh, in life, right? That's, that's how far gone this most ethical group of people on the planet is. So anyway, that's my soapbox rant about that. Thank you very much for coming around and watching this week. Uh, I hope that this information was useful to you in terms of clarifying some of what's been going on this week. It's been a wild week. Uh, I, was I was totally meaning to do a completely different podcast this week, but I, I had to respond to this stuff. I will encourage you guys to um, please check out that sponsor ad that I put into the show here. I have a sponsor. It is happening. Uh, at least for a few weeks, you will be seeing some ads here for Great Courses and, uh, or sorry, I should say Great Courses Plus. So uh, check that out. And also, if you're enjoying my show, my podcast, and my, um, my episodes here, consider joining me on Patreon uh, because that is what allows me to keep doing this. All right, guys. I'll see you next week. I look forward to your comments. Bye-bye.